Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture, seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to the teaching podcast. Really good to hear from Bobby Wrigley and Cindy Gerhart over the last couple of weeks. I hope you had a chance to listen and engage with their teachings um, and also discuss those in House Church. I was so grateful. I am so grateful um, for their willingness to use their gifts to teach, equip, and encourage the body of Christ to build us up. Um, it was really good to hear from them. Um, yeah, Bobby shared about abiding with Christ as he dug into John 15 and what it looks like to be a fruitful branch rather than producing sour grapes. Uh, and and really appreciated his um, teaching on the beautiful offer of friendship that Jesus offers us, um, the intimacy of relationship that we can have with God. Uh, and then that was a great um, juxtaposition uh, with Cindy's talk about the fear of the Lord um, as the key to freedom from all other fears. And, and while that may have felt like a break from John's gospel, uh, I was actually just realizing how well it tied in. Um, the fear of the Lord is deeply rooted in knowing God's character, his power, his love, his promises, as, as Cindy led us last week. Uh, and the gospel of John, Jesus is the son who reveals the father. So we get to know God. We get to know God's character by abiding with Jesus. And so, uh, Jesus is demonstrating and teaching who God is, um, that we might live in freedom, uh, as we know and trust and fear God, uh, we can live in freedom from other fears. Uh, and, and in particular in this section, as we've been looking at John 14, 15 and 16, Jesus is addressing his disciples, uh, and addressing their very real confusion, their fears, um, the struggles that they're going to face, uh, and so I felt like Cindy's teaching just really tied in with that because Jesus begins that section in John 14 by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. Or in other words, don't be afraid, fear the Lord. Uh, and then what's about to happen is that Jesus, and even as he's talking, he's showing them God's character, particularly in his obedience, in trusting God, even unto death. Uh, and in that, he assures his disciples that he will overcome. And that brings us, we're going to jump back into John 16 this week. Uh, and, and I'm just struck by Jesus' final words to his disciples. This, this speech, these are, this is like Jesus almost on his deathbed of sorts. Obviously not on a bed, but he's coming to the end of his, his life. He's about to be killed. And, and this is his teaching. This is, these are the really important things that Jesus wants his disciples to pay attention to. Uh, and he's reassuring them. And what has struck me is that Jesus talks so much about joy. And I want to, um, yeah, as I mentioned, we'll be in John 16. If you want to hit pause and take a moment to, to read that chapter, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, but I want to just jump to the very end. This is one of my uh, favorite verses in scripture. It's probably familiar to you. John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things 
so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So all of what Jesus has said in chapters 14, 15, and 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I mentioned how much Jesus talks about joy, that phrase, take heart. It means take courage or cheer up, be of good cheer. In other words, be joyful. I have overcome the world. And it's, it's amazing to me that Jesus is looking at his death and is already speaking to his disciples. I have overcome the world. He's already speaking of resurrection, even though it hasn't happened yet. Um, but Jesus is saying, I have overcome. I am the victorious one. And Jesus' death, resurrection uh, stands as this pivotal moment, this uh, flagship moment of his victory. Uh, there's a phrase in sports that's it's particularly popular in baseball um, that teams will use. It says, they say flags fly forever uh, and fans will say this sometimes flags fly forever, meaning that you win a championship. That's the ultimate goal. And you will raise up a flag in your stadium and that flag will fly forever uh, as a symbol, as a, as a remembrance of that championship. It's a mark of victory and nobody can take that away from you. And so if I say 2008 Phillies, uh, your, your memory is flooded with the World Series championship Phillies team. And they have that flag in their stadium to remind you. And you might look at that flag and say, oh, yeah, I remember that season. Or more recently, 2018 Eagles. I'm sure just saying that probably brought a smile to many of your faces. Uh, but for me, it was the 1991 Twins. I'm sorry, I grew up in northern Iowa. Minnesota was the closest uh, professional team, and, and I fell in love with the Twins at an early age. And actually, my eighth birthday was on Game 6 of the 1991 World Series when Kirby Puckett hit uh, an amazing game-winning home run to send it to Game 7, and the Twins won that in an epic battle. Um, so I see that 1991 flag, and, and it just brings back this flood of memories and smiles, and, and it and it brings me the joy. Um, but this, this Jesus death, his resurrection and his ascension, it serves as a flagship moment for us as Christians. And, and Jesus is already planning that flagpole with his disciples before he even goes into this and take heart. I have overcome, but his death and resurrection is a flag of victory that waves forever reminding us of Jesus' triumph over sin, evil, and death. But it's also something much, 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 much more than just a memory. Uh, I feel actually kind of terrible just comparing it to a championship flag because um, there's something so much deeper happening. Through his incarnation, his life, death, and resurrection, and ascension, Jesus has won the victory, but he has also opened up to us complete access to God's presence through his abiding presence. And so joy comes not just from the memory of Jesus' victory, but from his abiding presence. <clears throat> in, in John 16, 22, Jesus is talking to his disciples about what's going to happen. And he says, you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. 
And then we have after Jesus' death, uh, once we get into chapters 20 and 21, we have the resurrection appearances and we see this playing out. Mary is weeping as she comes to the tomb, but as soon as she sees Jesus again, she stops weeping. And the disciples are in the upper room, and and when they see Jesus, they are glad. When I, I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. What a beautiful promise. No one will take away your joy. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and faiths in me will never die. Because of Jesus' resurrection, there is a continuity of Christ's presence that never ceases, even though we may experience physical death. We move right into presence with Jesus in this life and right into presence with Jesus in the life to come. Because of his resurrection, he lives forever. And so no one can take that joy away because he is always present and available to us. And and he actually talks about how this happens. And he's telling his disciples that the ascension is what makes this possible. In verses 5 through 7, Jesus tells them, I'm going away to the one who sent me. I'm going back to the Father. Don't grieve because I'm going away, because I'm sending the paraclete, who will be my abiding presence, not just in one place where I am physically, but in all places where the community gathers. It's not just Jesus' death and resurrection, but in John especially, his ascension is very much uh, an important part of the ministry because it, it, it doesn't just, uh, as important and as vital as the incarnation is, uh, if Jesus continues in the incarnation, he's not available and present to us in all time and in all spaces. Um, and so the paraclete makes that happen. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit is Jesus abiding presence with the disciples and with us today all over the world. And that joy comes from the Spirit's presence as the reminder, as the teacher. And Jesus speaks about the continuity of who he is and who the Holy Spirit is, that the Holy Spirit is sent from the Father and the Son, one with the Father and the Son, teaches what the what Jesus gives him to teach, um, that there is a unity in, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit's presence to us is, is Jesus' presence to us today. And that presence gives us joy. Uh, no one can take away that joy uh, because of the Spirit's abiding presence. And then Jesus connects this joy to prayer. Uh, And I love this. Uh, In verse 23, Jesus says, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. And this is something that Jesus echoes throughout this this teaching to his disciples in chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16. He talks a lot about ask in my name, ask in my name, pray to the Father, ask in my name, and you will receive. And right here in chapter 16, he connects it very emphatically to joy. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. 
ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So Jesus invites us into prayer with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, invites us to ask that we might experience joy, that our joy would be full and complete in him. So Jesus wants us to cultivate the relationship with him and know the Father's good and loving heart. And that leads us to a joyful relationship in which we receive the grace and the good gifts of God that give us joy. Now in chapter 15, the emphasis that Jesus puts on prayer is that you ask in his name to bear fruit. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I chose you and appointed you. This is verse 16. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then in chapter 14, the emphasis is on God's glory, that God is glorified. Verse 13 says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so as Jesus teaches about prayer to his disciples, I love this beautiful interplay that happens in prayer. Beautiful interplay of God's glory, of bearing fruit, and of our joy. There's, there's a connection between God's glory and our joy and our ability to bear fruit. Uh, so, so what does he mean by uh, that the Father may be glorified? Well, to be glorified means make God known, to shine a spotlight on God's power, on God's goodness, on God's love. And Jesus talks about being lifted up uh, and that being his hour of glory. Uh, because it shines a spotlight on who God is. It makes God known. So God is glorified in Jesus as Jesus lays down his life, because that shines a spotlight on the self-giving and sacrificial love of God. And it shines a spotlight on God's power and goodness. God is glorified uh, as it reveals God forgiving people of sin, redeeming us from the power of sin and reconciling us to right relationship with God, giving us God's righteousness. And Jesus is also glorified and God is glorified because it reveals, it shines a spotlight on God's power over the powers of evil, sin, and death. And so we, we glorify God. We, we ask in Jesus' name so that God might be glorified, that God would be known, that God is made famous. We shine a spotlight on who God is. And, and there's, a, there's an aspect of that that happens simply when we just come to him in prayer. Because when we uh, get down on our knees or when we wake up in the morning uh, before we go to sleep, when we come to God in prayer, we are revealing our need for God as the provider. And so we're revealing that God is provider. We are revealing that God is sovereign. We are revealing that we depend on God's goodness, love, and grace. And so we glorify God by making time for that relationship. So God is glorified just simply in the act of prayer because we are acknowledging that he is greater than us and we depend on him. 
and we glorify God when we bear fruit. This is this beautiful interplay. We glorify God when we bear fruit because that is the very nature of the fruit God wants to produce. Fruit that demonstrates God's goodness and love. Fruit that empowers us to make God known, to testify of who Jesus is with our words, with our actions, and with our love. And so we, we ask in Jesus' name that we could bear fruit, that our lives would be cultivated in such a way that they bear fruit, and that fruit glorifies God. And bearing fruit and glorifying God also brings us joy. Glorifying God brings us joy because it brings God joy. God is delighted when he is made known, when his love, when his power, when his sovereignty, when his goodness is made known. Um, God is, is delighted and when we see the goodness of God and the love of God, it brings us joy. When we see God answer our prayers, it brings us joy. And we experience joy when we bear fruit. Uh, I'm sure that when you've, you've maybe encouraged somebody, discipled somebody, you've seen someone express faith in Jesus, that gives a deep sense of joy. When you've served someone in love, there is a deep sense of joy that comes from knowing that you have loved like Jesus has loved. There's a beautiful joy that happens when you see someone's life touched, when you see a life transformed or changed, when you know that someone else has seen God at work because of the fruit in your life, there is a deep joy that um, is, is experienced and expressed. And then this interplay continues because when we live in joy, God is glorified as the source of that joy. When we make God, when we are delighting ourselves in who God is, and uh, God is glorified as the source of that joy. And that joy is then contagious. It bears fruit in our life and um, because it's contagious. And people see that joy and say, I need that. Where does that joy come from? It comes from God as the source of all joy. So I love that beautiful interplay that happens here in, in John 14, 15, and 16, as Jesus talks about prayer and asking in his name, uh, the glory of God, the fruit that's produced in our lives, and the joy that comes from that. But Jesus also talks about uh, joy uh, in a different sense uh, in this chapter. I want to close with this, that, that troubles, that trials are actually pregnant with joy. Uh, so Jesus uses the analogy of pregnancy to, to describe what the disciples are about to experience as they go through the trial um, that they're about to experience. And, and as he uses this analogy, he talks about pain and anguish. So this isn't just uh, the physical pain uh, of childbirth, but actually uh, he uses emotional language because he's very much trying to connect it to uh, other experiences and, and specifically to the experience of the disciples uh, seeing Jesus put to death and also the, the trials that they're going to experience as they bear witness to him. Because this is also language that's used for tribulation. Um, but what Jesus says is that giving birth to a child produces great joy. Though there is anguish, though there is pain, the result is joy. So even in these times of trouble, God is at work to produce joy, that our sorrow will be turned to joy. Um, when we see this in other passages, these are familiar passages to many, I'm sure. James 1 says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. 
I believe this is a timely word for us as we are experiencing difficulties, challenges, uh, when we're grieving in this season, and, and rightfully so for many things uh, that we grieve. Uh, but we also lean into joy because God is at work in the midst of this, that God can produce the fruit and God can produce joy in us. Uh, Romans 5 similarly says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Or as another translation puts it, we can rejoice in our problems and trials. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Again, glory, joy, uh, perseverance, uh, producing fruit in our lives. So my question for us, uh, what might we be pregnant with in this season, Renew? What is pregnant in us? What is God longing to produce out of us? What challenges are you facing right now? What fruit might God want to produce out of these challenges? And how will you abide and journey in faith to glorify God and bear fruit? How will you continue in that posture of prayer, asking in Jesus' name to glorify God, to bear fruit, and to experience the fullness of joy in Christ? And what opportunities exist for us to glorify God and to bear fruit and to joy in Christ's presence? Lastly, uh, Jesus talks about peace and joy, and these aren't just consolations. These aren't just results of going through, but they are also the strength and the confidence to help us persevere. Um, they, they give us strength. The joy of the Lord is strength to step into challenges and troubles with faith, with bold confidence in God's power, in God's sovereignty, in God's wisdom and goodness and love. So brothers and sisters, Jesus has told you these things so that in him you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Amen. Hey, Renew, this is Doug. I just wanted to take a few minutes and encourage you this week. Um, so much has changed since COVID-19. Um, March 13th will be a day that uh, I will remember for the rest of my life. There seem to be so many different things that have happened. Um, our, our families, our local neighborhoods, our communities, our county, our state, our country, the world has been through so much in these last few months. And personally, like many of you, I've experienced just this sense of being tired, being discouraged. Um, I've experienced an overwhelming moments where I just feel like things are really dark. Um, and I, in the midst of all that, there have been some really great days that are followed by days that feel really heavy. 
And the roller coaster that we've been on has been quite tremendous. Uh, there have been moments of great joy for sure, and also moments of deep sorrow. Uh, in, in the last few weeks, uh, I've been dreaming about the table recently. Uh, for Renew, the table is a thin space where heaven, and earth, when, where heaven and earth meet, where God's presence is deeply tangible, where love and mercy have a taste and a smell and a look about it. Um, it's that beautiful space in our community where the mystery of God is made known to us as the community that is gathered, that hears the words, his, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ poured out for you. And this past week, as I was thinking about the table and thinking about your faces, I was reminded of three words that come into my, into my mind every time we experience communion together. And those words are very simple. Remember, release, and receive. Again, remember, release, and receive. And so I feel like those words are important for us um, just in the weeks and months to come that we need to remember. We need to be a community that remembers and that reminds one another that God is faithful to what he has started in Renew, that God is leading us, that he is good, that he is faithful, and that we are called to be a community that continues to remember his goodness and the way that he is faithful to his promises. We need to release. Uh, the truth is the world that we knew has changed and it will be different moving forward. We are in this new world, this new reality for the long haul. But I want to remind you that when the church is scattered, as we look back to the church of Acts, every time there's a persecution or there's a scattering that happens, the church grows. And the truth is, is as a community, as individuals, uh, per, both personally and corporately, we need to release our hurt. We have hurt one another. We have been hurt by people. We've been hurt by things that have happened. We need to release our discouragement. We need to release our sorrow. We need to release our dreams and embrace what God has for us, even in this season. This season might feel a lot like exile. It may feel extremely uncomfortable and it may continue to feel extremely uncomfortable, but God invites us into this beautiful space to repent, to release these things that are, that are, that are standing in the way, these things that we think we can control, but to, to release them back to God. So we need to remember, we need to release, and we need to receive. Renew, we need to hold on to the promises that the Lord has given us. And in this season, I want to invite you to receive the Holy Spirit for this new season to receive the new life that Christ has to offer us, to receive the fresh outpouring of his spirit that aligns our heart to him and to his mission. I really do believe that it's in times like these that the mission of God becomes so fresh and available and people's hearts will be turned towards him. And so Renew, I'm really glad to be on this journey with you. I never thought that 2020 would look this way. But I'm praying that in this year, that in this next, in these next few months and in the year and the years to come, that we see heaven come closer than it ever has before. And so brothers and sisters, be encouraged. God is not surprised. Christ has not left us orphaned and the spirit is teaching, healing, comforting, and being poured out on us even now.
May you go in the grace and peace of the Lord this week. And may God give you those beautiful dreams and visions that we were receiving before this thing happened. Just because things have been shut down and changed doesn't mean that God has changed. So may we remember, release, and receive. And renew one last thing. Um, on August 16th, we're going to be having a town hall meeting to have an opportunity to discuss uh, where we've been, uh, what God is doing in our midst, and some of the short-term plans that we have for the month of September. Uh, we also want to give you some updates on our global partners on Seeds of Joy, and we'd like to have some more opportunity to discuss some of the things that we've been seeing and noticing in the community. And we also want to have an opportunity to hear from a lot of you too. Uh, so we want you to mark your calendar for August 16th, 8 p.m. Uh, we'll try to keep the town hall meeting to under an hour, but we're looking forward to our time together then. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.